We thought that this bill was dead, but there's a saying in Spanish, mala hierba nunca muerte, which means bad weeds never die. And it's a poisonous weed putting all of our lives in even more danger for exercising our First Amendment right. This has been a very extreme legislative session. And I think that this is a very climactic end to the session. They've taken off the white sheets and the mask and are saying that because you protested, we're afraid that you're going to protest again. We're going to pass these laws that will make it a felony to protest in the street without a permit, give immunity to drivers who hit protesters. And we have to be very vigilant to not allow them to make this an anti-rioting bill. We already have anti-rioting bills on the books. They tried to charge me with one this summer. I guess if you stand silently, they consider that a riot if you're a person of color in the state of Tennessee. But if they really want to deal with riots, I have a name for them. The name is Terry Lynn Weaver, who still serves in the Tennessee General Assembly, who was at the insurrection on January 6th and has had no accountability. So they want to look at stopping rioting. They don't need a bill. They need a mirror. Hard not to notice. They just recently renamed one of the streets right outside the legislature, John Lewis Boulevard. On the one hand, celebrating people who fought for civil rights, marched in the streets, and then on the other hand, criminalizing and putting in danger people like yourself who continue that tradition to this day. I mean, let's call this bill for what it is. It's Jim Crow 2.0. Jason Zachary from Knoxville said that this bill is in direct response to the anti-police violence protests that happened in Knoxville where he lives. That's why they revived this. And that's why they're prioritizing this in the budget, not healthcare, not living wages, things that would help Tennesseans like education funding. This bill is violent. And yet every single time we go before the legislature, they say, we want to stop violence. We want to make sure you're peaceful. Let's look at who is trying to do a Charlottesville do-over here in Tennessee. Let's look at who's making it so you have to have a permit to protest. And if you don't, you'll be charged with a felony. But we want permitless gun guns in our state. Let's look at who was actually violent. In the summertime, I was standing outside the Capitol in the vicinity of the parking garage, and I was arrested and charged with obstructing a highway, one of 10 charges. And if I would have been charged with this new law, I would be charged with a felony, which means have a much greater bail out to pay to get out of jail, risk losing my voting rights. And that's what they want to do is they want to chill free speech in Tennessee. They passed the law where if you stay outside the Capitol, like we did for 62 days, that is a felony. And now they're passing a law to say that if you stand in the street or if you protest without a permit, then that is also a felony. These laws are Jim Crow laws. Part of the punishment is to drag you through the court process. And when you apply for jobs, it's hard to get a job. You know, you have to go to court, you have to pay each time you go there, take time off work, take time off school. This is a part of their punishment for us. They know it's wrong. Police will use it in abusive ways. And yet these charges are so vague and ambiguous and they're just giving them much more and more rope to just do whatever they want, to abuse and run roughshod of the constitution. And I think it's so ironic that these are the people who say that when it comes to the second amendment, we don't want any regulations. We don't want any restrictions. This is a God-given right, they said. But when it comes to the first amendment, they must have annotated their constitution and blacked it out. First Amendment has no protections in Tennessee. The First Amendment, we saw that these same senators who are now reviving this anti-protest law, all of the Republicans signed a letter condemning Black athletes for kneeling in East Tennessee. First Amendment does not apply to people of color in Tennessee. First Amendment does not apply to people engaged in racial justice protests in Tennessee. And that's the way that they want to have it. And they want to codify this even further into law. You know, they could point to the language in the law and say, oh, well, you know, they have to try not to hit people. With due care, as long as you're exercising due care. Due care, right? So what does that mean? And the net effect is they're sending a signal you can hit protesters and the law is on your side. We have already seen that this is not a hypothetical. This has actually happened. People do get hit. It happened in Memphis. It happened in Johnson City. Justin, I'm going to give you a chance to answer somebody who's in our mentions right now. Cindy Pack, stay out of the road and you won't get hit. Stop blocking traffic. What do you say when somebody just gives you that? It's interesting when people make that point. If people would have did that during the civil rights movement, I would not be standing here before you. If people were not in Selma, I would not be able to vote. If women suffragettes were not 
not in the streets in Tennessee as they were, women would not be able to vote. If we were not disruptive of injustice and disrupting this artery, you know, that's what a street is, is the artery of the city, of the community, then people will not know that we are facing a heart attack when it comes to police violence, when it comes to racist violence, when it comes to the abuses that are happening. And so what these people who say stay off the street, what they want is they don't want anyone to protest. What they want is a parade, because that's exactly what a comfortable protest is. It's nothing more than a parade. Stand on the sidewalk and walk in a circle and say, woo, we have our sign. That's a parade. But when you go and say, we're going to bring tension to this issue, we're going to bring what's under the surface to the surface, as Dr. King said, that is a protest. A protest is not meant to comfort white power structures. It's not meant to comfort those who want us to be silent. That's what they want. Dear sister who asked that question, as John F. Kennedy said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. If you're condemning peaceful protest, if you're gonna make it a felony to peacefully protest, then what can we do? If it's gonna be the same charge to act violently as it is to stand in the street or to sit outside the Capitol in the hot sun, if it's gonna be a felony either way, then what will we do? We cannot be merely concerned, as Dr. King said, about the people protesting without condemning what brought them to the streets. I don't know if people realize that we don't want to be in the streets. We don't wanna be at risk of getting hit. We don't wanna to have to stay outside the Capitol for 62 days, but we're out there for a reason. And it's to make those who have put a blindfold on and close their ears to what's happening say, see us, hear us, see our humanity, see the crisis in Tennessee when it comes to racial justice and white supremacy. See, see the crisis in Tennessee when it comes to police violence. See there is a crisis. And if you will not see us, if you will not hear us, we have to go to the streets, we have to go to the plaza, and we have to occupy public space and say that this is the space that belongs to the people. The people have a right to, as John Lewis say, find a way to get in the way and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. I just want to say to Cindy Pack, this was an opportunity to let that in. I, I hope you heard what he just said. My grandparents heard the same argument. Well, just don't go sit at the lunch counters. Just accept segregation. Mm -hmm. Don't make a big fuss out of it. Rosa, go to the back. Come on, that's how it's always been. Just go to the back. Don't disrupt traffic. Don't disrupt the flow of the bus system, of the bus schedule. Just go to the back and be passive. That is what we've heard for so long. Don't put your head up too high. My grandmother told me that when she was growing up, she had to walk in the, on the street. If there's a white person coming on the sidewalk, she had to go to the street to make way. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm in the street today. That's where our ancestors had to go. We'll go to the street. We'll go to the sidewalk. We'll go wherever we have to. What we won't go is backwards. There's a lot of people in Tennessee who are saying we want to take this nation back. And we better believe them. They're taking us back to a time that we don't want to go to. We must refuse to go without raising an assent. We must refuse to go without raising a voice of protest and opposition. There's been a lot of quietness. I'm grateful for the Tennessee Holler for being one of the consistent, steadfast presences down at the Capitol but it's been so silent as all these policies of hurt and violence have been passed. This policy violence has been so quiet. And if they make it a felony to protest, it's going to be even more quiet. And that's what they want. This new building, they have new stairways where they don't even have to interact with the public, private elevators. The whole structure of the legislature has changed where they limit interaction with the public. That does not sound like the people's house to me. That does not sound like democracy to me. And the truth is they don't want it to be anymore. The legislature has become a fraternity for racist old white men who just want to be in a bubble and not hear what we have to say. She's saying 90% of the protests have escalated to violence. That's completely untrue. There's a study that said the exact opposite, that over 90% have been peaceful. Even Governor Lee, when asked about it at a press conference, acknowledged that they were mostly peaceful. If you're going to come here and holler these fake news statistics, we're going to holler the truth back at you, Cindy. What does it say to you that Jack Johnson took his name off of this, even though it was on before, but will probably vote for it anyway? Courage is lacking in our legislature. Senator Johnson saw that this was wrong. When he was asked about it by CNN, he didn't want his name attached to it. He said, oh, go ask Ron Gant, the House sponsor. Now it came before the Senate. He said, oh, take my name off. It's sad that he knows it's wrong, but there's such a toxicity in the legislature 
that he's going to feel like he's obligated to vote for. They can't vote their conscience. They can't vote what's the best interest of their people. They have to vote whatever they feel like will, you know, make them comfortable with their colleagues and make them comfortable with these extreme groups like ALEC, like Americans for Prosperity, the NRA, they bow to who they serve, not the people of Tennessee. And so Senator Johnson knows this is wrong. He took his name off of it. I think that's a victory in itself that every Tennessee, and we you know we were targeting calls at him, we were tweeting at him. And I think everyone who did that, we should commend ourselves that that was a victory, a small victory, but it's not enough. The person who refused to have a backbone, Lieutenant Governor, the Senate Speaker, Randy McNally, it was a decision by leadership in their negotiations with the House leadership to bring this bill back up, to suspend the rules, to call the Judiciary Committee back specifically for this bill, specifically for this hateful, racist, violent bill. This is the priority they want to end on. And so we're calling this McNally's runover protesters bill. Call Randy McNally. Speaker McNally, is this the legacy you want to live? He lived at the time of Jim Crow. He lived at the time of segregation. He's one of the oldest members in our legislature. This is a chance to be on the right side of history. He stood in firm support of a Nathan Bedford Forrest statue of a KKK Grand Wizard in our capital. He's been one of the staunchest defenders of that bust. But now is the chance to rectify that legacy, Brother McNally. Your time in the legislature is coming to a close soon you will have to retire. And I want to see, will your grandchildren be ashamed of you for pushing this type of bill? Like many of us today are ashamed of people like Nathan Bedford Forrest. Like many of us are ashamed of people like Bull Connor and George Wallace. Will you be the new George Wallace and push these Jim Crow bills that criminalize protests of black and brown people? Will this be your legacy? That's a powerful message. We have seen him respond to criticism and shaming a little bit more than some of the more shameless members of the legislature. Perhaps the call to McNally will not fall on deaf ears. I think the odds are always long if you are trying to bet on reason with these guys. There's a week left. We wouldn't have made the gains of the past if not for people who protested and agitated. How would you describe in your own words like the hypocrisy of how this goes against the First Amendment and freedom of speech and the right to assemble, mass movements of people who are agitating are the ones that really get things done in the end. Make no mistake, this bill is retaliation for the Derek Chauvin verdict. This bill is retaliation. It's ironic to me that this same Judiciary Committee, almost unanimously in the Senate, passed a bill that would have some police reforms, that would ban no-knock warrants, and that would limit chokeholds. And they felt really good about this. They felt like they were doing something. It was a good start. And now what they're doing is they're criminalizing the very protests that forced them to even see this as an issue. They're criminalizing the very protests that forced America and the world to see the issue of what happened with George Floyd when he was suffocated and lynched on a Minneapolis sidewalk. They're criminalizing those very protests. And yet they, they feel good about a small, minute step of police reform. That's absolutely right. They are turning around and criminalizing the very people that made that an issue, that lifted it up. One of the more hypocritical things that we're going to see out of this legislature in a long time. I mean, the same goes for the Nathan Bedford Forrest bust. You know, we've been protesting that bust for years. Governor Bill Lee was initially opposed to removal, but we consistently right. protested. We consistently showed up. We sat in. We spent the time out in the plaza. And then he said, OK, let's call a meeting of the Capitol Commission and let's remove the statue. If it if it wasn't right. for protests, none of these things would be made. That's if it right. wasn't for protests, right. we would not have any progress in this nation. And so I think it's really important that we lift up the importance of protest and democracy, that this bill is very important to me because it is a bill that can protect all of our other rights. If we don't have the right to protest and oppose harmful legislation, then they can do whatever they want on a daily basis if there's not people there to raise a moral dissent. And so we have to raise a moral dissent. We have to realize that this bill is economically indefensible. They're allocating money in the budget for this bill. It is constitutionally inconsistent. It's just insane. We have to bring attention to this bill. We are encouraging people to show up on Tuesday at the Judiciary Committee. We need people to show up to draw attention to this bill. 
bill to not allow this to be the climax of this legislative session to happen in silence. I've had so much anxiety because I know that if this bill passes, it will be a death sentence for someone in our state. It will only be a matter of time. If a driver claims to be exercising care and, and kills someone, when would that happen? And I point to stand your ground laws. There are a lot of people who stand your ground laws yes. say, I was in fear of my life, like George Zimmerman. And what did he do? He killed Trayvon Martin. People will claim that they're in fear of their life. Oh, there's a protester with a paper sign and I have my two-ton Dodge truck and I was in fear of my life. And so I'm going to run them over. It's going to happen. It and will happen. It has happened. There are people who are looking for this green light. Literally anybody could claim that under pretty much any circumstance. It is the most vague thing. It's unbelievable. And, and you know that they see it. Somebody is going to get hurt. And that's really why Jack Johnson took his name off of it because he knows that. But his name is going to be on it no matter what because he's going to vote for it. Justin, I mean, it makes me nervous for you, frankly. This was the priority. This was the thing that they needed in order to pass their $42 billion budget was they needed to make it so that people can run over protesters with impunity. Just a gross testament to their priorities. It's the reaction to the protests mm. that is actually the success of the protest. It really shows people the hearts of the people that are being protested against. In some ways, this backlash just shows you how effective you guys have been in your protests in this state, it sort of justifies, in a way, the protests themselves. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I'll just say to anyone who's listening now, because there's people say, does protest make a difference? If your protest did not make a difference, they would not be trying so hard to stop you from protesting. Same with voting. Same with voting. If your voting didn't no. make a difference, they wouldn't be passing all these voter suppression bills. Right. There's power in these things, and they know that. And when we actually flex that power, then we have the backlash. Then we have these bills that try and restrict it and take us backwards. And so McNally... Speaker Sexton, Ron Gant, you know that if this bill passes, we will still protest. And if something does happen to me, I would ask whoever knows me and loves me to bring my casket, not to a funeral home, but bring it outside the Capitol and let them know that these are the people who are killing us. Let them know that these are the people who, who took our lives away from us, who took our safety away from us. Let them know who did this. We have to connect the dots here. We have to tell the truth that bills have consequences. Bills have consequences. I know that someone is going to be hurt by this. And so, you know, I will be there. We're going to fight with everything we have against this bill. Next week, we'll be there every single day if we have to. And then if it passes, we will continue to show up in the street because what they want is for us to be afraid to come out. And that will never happen. There's a difference between disagreeing with us and sanctioning for us to be killed. Sanctioning for us to be assassinated in the streets by vehicles who have already threatened to run over us. I've been at numerous protests where cars rev their engines and say, move out the way, I'm going to hit you. It's, it's, yep. it's happened. And oh, now every single one. I've been there too, yeah. Part of the trauma from the summer is we know also the police will not protect us. State of Tennessee's government will not protect us. And we are all that we have to protect each other. We need to collectively come out and be safety for each other and have mutual aid for each other because that's the only thing that will save us in the insanity that's happening in Tennessee right now. They have the power to do whatever they want. They're going to pass this bill in one day. They passed that anti-protest bill in the summer in three days. They, they can do whatever they want with their power. And so I think our job is really to go and to kind of be a check on that power and say that even though you have dominant authority, you don't have ultimate authority, that there's still people who will resist you. And even though you have a super majority, that does not mean that we're going to automatically bow down and just go along to get along. Like I said, it's been so important what the Holler's been doing this session because it's been one of the voices who's went up there and made them uncomfortable. And that's what we have to do. They want us to go backwards and to be silent and that we have to refuse to do that. I keep repeating this point because I just really hope that we get the seriousness of what's happening here. They're taking away all of our nonviolent means of change. They're passing these voter suppression laws across the nation. They're passing these anti-protest laws across the nation. So they're taking away our nonviolent means of change. Change, and they're making it easier for people to kill us. In Tennessee, people can walk around 
without a permit with a gun now. They can either hit you with their car or they can shoot you, whatever they want, or they can get the police to do it, you know? And these things are real fears that people have. We saw Kenosha with Kyle Rittenhouse. We see, you know, these vehicles running over people. There is real violence for protesting. And in fact, we live in a state that worships white supremacist violence. When we look at the monuments we have around us, we cannot separate that, the root from the fruit, the roots of what is being planted, the seeds from the fruit of what is being born here in Tennessee. And that is this white supremacist violence that is going to end up with some of us dead. This makes me emotional. It makes me fear for my friends. It makes me fear for my safety. But in that fear, we're going to walk forward still because no matter what, we ain't going to let Cameron Sexton, we're not going to let Randy McNally turn us around. I hope that nothing happens. I fear that something will. I really hope that people show up a Tuesday at 830 because they do not deserve to pass this peacefully. This is violence and they need to be made uncomfortable. We will be there 830 on Tuesday, Cordell Hull. They're literally reviving the Senate Judiciary Committee to discuss this bill, which was closed for the session. That's what's going on here. Justin, thank you for what you do. Cindy Peck, we pray that one day you are able to think about somebody other than yourself. Have a great day, everybody.